This is an ABC News special, Chaos at the Capitol. From ABC News headquarters, here is correspondent Aaron Katursky. Good evening. We have never seen this before. Armed protesters, Americans, storming the United States Capitol, breaking windows on their way into the Senate and House chambers, forcing lawmakers into secure rooms, a Confederate flag waving inside the Capitol, a woman shot in the halls of Congress. It began today as a rally on the other side of the National Mall. Save America, it was called. President Trump addressed the crowd, urged the demonstrators to go to the Capitol, telling them, you'll never take back our country with weakness. You'll have to show strength and you have to be strong. Less than an hour later, as Congress was hearing arguments on a long shot objection to Arizona's vote count, protesters overwhelmed Capitol security and the chaos began. We're going to begin on Capitol Hill. ABC's Inez Delacotera. Inez, what's the scene? Aaron, it has calmed down in the last few moments, in the last hour. The protesters who were lining the steps of the Capitol for the most part of the day uh, have been cleared out. So it appears that police officers have regained control of the situation, at least outside. Uh, It's much quieter. There have been a number of kind of alerts being blasted from the speakers from the building, telling people that if they are inside the Capitol and not respecting the 6 p.m. curfew imposed by the D.C. mayor, that they will be arrested. So that is certainly uh, ominous. And there is a much bigger police presence than there was earlier in the day. I was, uh, you know, outside the Capitol building all afternoon. And something that struck me was the uh, apparent lack of police presence. There were a ton of police vehicles, but police officers were were nowhere to be uh, seen. I don't know if they were inside the the building or, or elsewhere. Um, But in the later part of the evening, you know, in the last hour, we've seen a number of uh, vehicles arrive and just a a bigger police presence, it seems. Washington, D.C. brought under control with the assistance not only of the extra police, but the National Guard and federal officers after a melee erupted with gunshots in the Capitol, a woman shot and now killed, tear gas, and, and as protesters forcibly removed from the Capitol grounds now uh, in accordance with a curfew that went into effect about an hour ago. That's right, and arrested. And so that, you know, the, the question is whether that was enough to deter protesters, to get them to go home, whether it was because of the curfew, whether it was because they were simply uh, worn out. They had been here all day. It was a, uh, a freezing day as well, so that might be part of it. But uh, it has certainly calmed down. It's interesting to note that lawmakers are still inside, and they say they plan to resume their joint session of Congress to certify Joe Biden's win and, and count these electoral votes, which was what they were doing before this all broke out. Um, We'll see if if protesters decide to uh, return, but certainly a a huge presence now, huge police presence on Capitol Hill. Again, you know, helicopters in the sky, uh, police uh, SWAT officers on on the roof of the Capitol, SWAT vehicles outside the Capitol. There there seems to be a a, a much larger police presence now than there was earlier in the day. So uh, it it doesn't appear that things are going to get as bad as as they did um, earlier today. A presence befitting what former President George W. Bush called an insurrection that unfolded at the Capitol. As Inez notes, as lawmakers were hearing arguments on their long-shot objection to Arizona's electoral vote count. These objections are still the business of Congress as lawmakers were huddled into secure rooms, uh, many with reporters in tow, 
as Capitol Police locked down the buildings and kept the House and Senate out of session. We are told now that less than an hour from now, the Senate is going to gavel back into session. It appears in the Senate chamber where earlier protesters had been ransacking through. I want to turn to our political director, Rick Klein. They still have the constitutional business at hand, Rick, to certify these electoral results. Yeah, and the timing of this uh, of this siege on the Capitol was, of course, no mistake. It was time to coincide with this day where Congress would convene to formally receive and, and ultimately accept the electoral votes. This is usually a pretty ho-hum process. Today, it was expected to take a couple hours, maybe even extending into the evening or tomorrow, given the quantity of objections. Uh, but now it's taken on even a greater symbolic value for members of Congress. They feel like it's imperative that they resume that work to send a message that the business of government cannot be shut down. We've already heard from a few Republicans who were planning to object who are now saying, well, maybe not so much. So it's possible that there's some curtailment in the quantity of of objections, maybe how long it takes. There have been calls for unanimity in the Senate by Senator Mitt Romney, among others. Uh, I don't see that happening, but it does seem like there will be a resumption this evening uh, and maybe uh, the the use of less time and and certainly less heated rhetoric, given the day that we have just uh, witnessed. Lawmakers were diving for cover, Rick, and then told to shelter in place the the very ballots that they were there to certify uh, had to be rescued by Capitol staff. Uh, extraordinary in, in every way. And uh, I think the, the, the signals from heroic staffers, uh, lives were saved, no doubt, by the, the quick action of Capitol Police. Uh, the, the complex was woefully unprepared for this uh, assault, and it wasn't assault by a mob, it wasn't protest or something, something much more nefarious than that. Uh, but thankfully, there wasn't a greater loss of life. Of course, the woman who was, who was killed in the, in, the, in the gunfire, it's a tragic, uh, a tragic occurrence, but it could have been a lot worse. Certainly the scenes were a lot worse. And uh, I think the, uh, the, the, the resumption uh, tonight will, will be an important step. And I think sending the message that, uh, that Joe Biden will continue to be inaugurated, that nothing can disrupt that piece of democracy. Where the, the inauguration is scheduled to take place two weeks from now, the west front of the Capitol was swarming with protesters as others breached a number of different entrances into the building and ransacked through the House and Senate chambers. At one point, one demonstrator carried a, a Confederate flag through the halls of Congress. Another made himself comfortable putting his feet up on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's desk. And for much of the day, President Trump remained silent. Let's turn to the White House. ABC's Karen Travers. Uh, the president may be silenced a bit tonight by Twitter. He has been. Uh, Twitter has just said that they have um, locked his account for the next 12 hours, they say, because of the unprecedented and ongoing violent situation in Washington. We have required the removal of three tweets from the president. They say these were posted earlier uh, and were in repeated and severe violations of Twitter's civic integrity policy. So this means the account will be locked for 12 hours uh, following the removal of those tweets. And Twitter says if they are not removed, the account will remain locked. There is now a lid at the White House. And what that means is we will not see the president for the rest of the night. He's not going to make a surprise appearance in the briefing room or speak to reporters on camera. I speculated, though, that he would do another message through a tweet, maybe something of a video message, as he did earlier this afternoon. Now he can't do that. He can figure out another way maybe to get his message out. But uh, this is striking to see on such a significant day, such a momentous day in Washington, the president's primary mode of communication 
has been taken away from him, Aaron. When he did have access to his his accounts, though, Mm -hmm. he he seemed to want to almost memorialize what had gone on today. The the tweet, uh, one of the tweets that Twitter uh, deleted, but his most recent one, it was just a striking statement. Uh, The president said of what unfolded at the Capitol, those dramatic scenes of, of chaos and violence, he says, these are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who he says have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. Now, the president, Aaron goes on to say, go home with love and in peace. But his last line got a lot of attention. He says, remember this day forever, exclamation point. He seemed to be commemorating the moment uh, up on Capitol Hill. He seemed to be memorializing it and critics say celebrating what took place. And that's a big contrast to the, I think, resounding bipartisan criticism and denouncing of what took place at the Capitol. You know, even people who were supporting the challenge of the Electoral College results, even people who have engaged and entertained the president's baseless conspiracy theories about the election and his claims of fraud, even they were saying, this is a line too far. Violence cannot be tolerated. The president, though, did not go as far as many Republican lawmakers and even his own vice president, who at one point, Aaron, was calling for people involved in this to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. ABC News White House correspondent Karen Travers. I want to turn back to Rick Klein, our political director. We just heard from Senator Rand Paul that he doesn't expect any additional objections. Does that mean Republicans have dropped this? Well, I I think it sounds like they were going to let play out the the initial objection, which is uh, to the Arizona uh, election results. That's really by virtue of alphabetical order. It was the first state that was contested that President Trump has claimed falsely that um, there were irregularities in. Uh, So I'd expect that to play out maybe in a curtailed form. Uh, Maybe that be it. I I think that would be the neatest and cleanest way to to tie this loose end. The formal business of the House and Senate right now is to consider those Arizona challenges. They've launched the required two hours of debate, but barely, because uh, just just a few minutes into that debate, uh, of course, we saw the chaos that enveloped the Capitol. So they'll have to pick that up. Uh, unless there's some kind of unanimous consent resolution that would allow them to drop it. It hasn't sounded that way. Um, My sense, though, is that uh, everyone, given the events of today, has a lot less interest in the political combat that we were expecting. My my goodness, after elected representatives scrambled to crouch under desks and behind chairs, they donned gas masks while police futilely tried to barricade the building. It was, Rick, just one of the most jarring scenes I think we've ever seen at the Capitol. It was horrible. It was awful. It was it was uh, sad, frankly, for, for me to watch. And I thank, thank goodness there weren't more casualties, but it was just a, a tragic and terrible scene. I mean, the, the symbolism of this moment, uh, the importance of that building, uh, it, it remains to me unfathomable that that, that that number of people could have breached the premises uh, and, and then conducted themselves in that way with such impunity. It was repulsive. It was disgusting. Uh, for, for many of those folks, it was an act of terrorism. For others, you could use words like sedition, uh, insurrection, coup. It was awful and terrible and, and really one of, the, one of the darkest days that I have ever covered in, in, in covering politics in this country. Rick, we're starting to hear Democrats use words like impeach. Is that a real call, or is that just another Democrat making the same play that they've been making 
for the last four years. Aaron, I think it's more real than you might think with only two weeks weeks left in the term. And I think it's for two reasons. One is that there's a, a growing sense that maybe even some Republicans would privately say that, that there's something wrong with the president's head at this moment, frankly. And there's talk about using the 25th Amendment to remove him. I think that is uh, unlikely. Uh, but the, the talk of impeachment is real. It's being entertained by members of, of House and, and even Senate leadership. Um, uh, I think the other reason is that uh, impeachment uh, and expulsion um, or removal from office can also include uh, disqualification from holding other federal offices. And the concern about him potentially running again could be solved by impeachment. So I'm not predicting that it succeeds, but I think there's going to be real discussion of that, even though the president will no longer be president 14 days from now. Let me pull Steve Roberts, our political analyst, into the conversation. Rick, the rioters were egged on by President Trump. He has spent weeks falsely attacking the integrity of the election. He urged supporters to descend on Washington. What do today's developments mean for his legacy? Well, I think we're talking about um, an indelible image. Um, Now, for Trump supporters, this will be an image to cheer. This will be an image to celebrate. The president himself, in his final tweet before he was barred from Twitter, uh, said, remember this day. So he thinks it's a triumph. But it split the Republican Party right down the middle, uh, and it laid bare um, something that's been simmering now for a long time. A lot of Republicans have put up with Donald Trump and said, let Trump be Trump. And, and I think this, uh, this final spasm um, has uh, revealed that a great many Republicans are sick of Donald Trump and even fearful of Donald Trump. And so um, the very image that he thinks uh, will uh, carry forward as an image of power, uh, an image of um, lasting strength, I think in the end will actually be an image that will stain his legacy and cripple uh, his ability to be a power, not eliminate it because he's still got 74 million votes. He still has an enormously fervent and powerful uh, a group of supporters within the Republican Party. But uh, the lasting image of today, I think, will also strengthen significantly the faction of the Republican Party that has cowered before Donald Trump and been fearful of Donald Trump has now been emboldened to oppose Donald Trump, Aaron. And and so, Rick, how do we read the Republican Party at at this moment? I guess one signal would be whether they move forward with these these objections to the Electoral College results. Yeah. And I look, I think I think for many Republicans, the sense uh, that they've had of the, the end stages of the presidency is that you can manage his temper tantrums. You can manage you can indulge him in these conspiracy theories. There is no impact. And going into the debate today, is something that uh, Mitch McConnell even direct, uh, directly addressed because he thought there was an impact. But many Republicans thought, look, let's just go through the motions here. We'll do right by Trump supporters. Um, no harm, no foul. Well, there was a foul There's, and real harm and real harm to democracy and to, uh, into, into uh, you know, basic basic confidence in, in the ability of government to function that happened here. And I think it revealed the harms in indulging fantasies, delusions. Uh, but I think the other concern is that, well, President Trump will be gone in two weeks. The, the many millions of Americans who supported them that Steve just referenced aren't going anywhere. And the people that showed up today in Washington, they're not going to suddenly disappear from the country or from even political activity simply because President Trump is out of uh, out of office. Uh, and for all as, as horrible as today was, you know, if, if frankly, it could have been a lot worse. Oh, one woman was shot and killed, but we do not know of uh, the extent of any other injuries. We did see images of police officers with bandaged heads. Other uh, protesters and demonstrators, part of the violent mob, said they were tear-gassed. But we, we 
don't yet know. Uh, it all, Steve, poses a challenge to the president-elect. We heard briefly from President-elect Biden today uh, calling on Donald Trump to, to end the siege and the unprecedented uh, intrusion into the Capitol. Well, there was a very mixed messages today in terms of the impact for, Donald, uh, for, for Joe Biden. Uh, as Rick was just saying, 74 million people who voted for Donald Trump are not going away. And for months now, they have been told repeatedly by Donald Trump that the election was rigged, um, that the Biden presidency would be illegitimate. And uh, Joe Biden is going to inherit a country that is very deeply divided with a very significant portion of the electorate believing uh, that he won the president un presidency unfairly. But at the same time today, uh, the other uh, development that is very hopeful for the Biden administration uh, was the uh, results in the Georgia Senate elections where both Democrats, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, were elected to the U.S. Senate. That means that as of... Uh, uh, as Biden takes office, that means the Democrats control not just the House, albeit by a slim margin, but the U.S. Senate, even though it would be tied 50-50. That means Kamala Harris, the vice president, would break a tie. And even uh, with that very, very slender, the slenderest of margins, remember what that means. That means that Chuck Schumer, the Democrat, is the majority leader, not Mitch McConnell. That means Democrats control the floor of the Senate and decide every bill that comes up. That means that every committee chairman is now a Democrat. That means that every committee is run by Democrats that have the power not just to uh, move legislation but hold hearings and call witnesses. That means that even though Republicans have a filibuster on many legislative issues, that uh, Biden will be much freer to appoint federal judges um, uh, as soon as he uh, takes office. So uh, it was a day that symbolized the split in the country and the ferocity of the opposition to the new president but it also brought him a very important piece of good news that will give him a lot more flexibility in terms of his uh, uh, program on Capitol Hill. Uh, staggering day indeed. Our political analyst, Steve Roberts, Vice President Pence, we have just heard from. He never left the Capitol. He has now returned to the Senate. And his spokesman said, we will now finish the people's business. And that business includes certifying the election results to propel Joe Biden to the presidency. Stay with us. I'm Aaron Katursky. You're listening to live coverage, Chaos at the Capitol, from ABC News. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Nate Thurston, and I'm supposed to write a 30-second ad that tells you everything you need to know about my podcast, Good Morning Liberty, which I co-host with Charlie, my best friend of 20 years. That's a tough feat to accomplish, but let's give it a shot. At Good Morning Liberty, we cover the news every day from an individual liberty perspective. We believe that you own yourself, and a tyrannical, overreaching government is the biggest threat to your liberty. If you agree, you can find a new episode every day of the week on your podcast app or by going to BernieLies.com in your browser. 
We've got the exclusive view behind the table. Every day, right after the show, while the topics are still hot, the ladies go deeper into the moments that make the view the view. The View's Behind the Table podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to an ABC News special, Chaos at the Capitol. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. A mob incited by President Trump stormed the Capitol, a violent escalation of the divisions that have coursed through the country during his four years in office. A woman was shot and killed. Tear gas and flashbangs were deployed. Now, though, the Capitol is secure and Congress is ready to reconvene a short while from now to finish certification of the election. We're joined by Congressman Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin, Congressman, uh, what's the plan for the evening? Well, we're still awaiting the precise details, but I do think it's a positive sign that we're hearing we'll reconvene. I think it's important that we finish the certification tonight, and I have to believe that the objectors um, will drop their objections after what they've seen today. I mean, my view is that Congress has no constitutional authority to overturn the results of the elections in the states and by extension the will of the american people Um, but on a practical level i think we've seen that there are dangerous consequences to giving people false hope that somehow congress not only has that authority but will be successful in the effort and what i saw today on the capitol uh was unlike anything i've seen uh except for my time in iraq in uniform I, I was mean, going it, to ask it, it you was, about that. It really, it, I mean, you like to think this stuff can't happen in America, and we take the peaceful transfer of power for granted. But, you know, every time someone violates an unwritten rule or a norm, you know, it invites the other side to do the same, and things can escalate out of control pretty quickly. And that's what happened. You know, early in the day, I started to hear flashbangs going off, which was presumably the Capitol Police trying to get the protesters to back off, but they violently confronted them. You know, all of a sudden, the vice president was rushed out of the the house chamber and um you know we're barricading the the doors of the house and um you know and then tragically it culminated in someone getting shot and killed i mean think about that for a second in the united states capital someone gets shot and killed it's unacceptable um you know we have to stop telling the american people something that's not true regarding what congress can do in this election the president needs to encourage the supporters uh, to stand down, uh, accept the peaceful transfer of power, and hopefully we can emerge from this stronger. But no, no doubt, you know, American democracy suffered a bit of a blow today. Uh, I noticed that uh, in the middle of it all, you had taken to Twitter to say we are witnessing absolute banana republic crap in the United States Capitol right now, and you tweeted directly at President Trump saying you need to call this off. W- were the statements that he put out sufficient? Well, I'm glad. You know, I, didn't, I still haven't watched the video he put out. It's been pretty much chaos here for a while, so I apologize. I understand he called for people to peacefully remove themselves, but then kind of muddled the message by saying, you know, I still won in a landslide and it was stolen. And, you know, it's almost like encouraging these people to we're going to live on to fight another day. And I think that's counterproductive. I mean, I think he's got to commit himself to the peaceful transfer of power. You know, listen, I campaigned for him. It stinks that we lost. Um, but, you know, American politics, when you lose, you, you dust yourself off and you figure out how you can do better going forward. And that's what we need to do uh, as a party. And I think he can do that while still being sensitive to the concerns 
of millions of Americans regarding voter fraud and voter irregularities. I think every state, my home state of Wisconsin included, needs to make you know, voter integrity a, a top priority, needs to do a hot wash of what happened, similar to what Florida did post-2000, and give people confidence in the system going forward. I think there's no question that states made last-second changes to deal with the pandemic, and it created a lot of confusion. But that's a separate process. That should not um, you know, suddenly give Congress the power to completely overturn an election. I mean, I, as a conservative, I, I just fear the precedent that that sets. And, you know, I, I feel I fear the more we traffic in that, the more we'll get what we saw today. Have you heard commitments from your fellow Republicans to drop their objections, assuming things reconvene? I have shortly? not. I have not. Um, my hope is that House leadership will encourage them to. But obviously, House leadership, with the exception of Louis Cheney, was joining them in the objections. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it would be very, uh, uh, it's difficult for me to imagine them taking to the house floor and continuing the objection after the craziness we saw over the last few hours, but I've consistently underestimated uh, the ambition of some of my colleagues for four years. So we'll see. Congressman, we appreciate it. We're glad uh, you were well, and you'll continue the business of the people uh, this evening. Congressman Mike Gallagher, a Republican of Wisconsin, uh, ABC News political director Rick Klein. We heard the congressman say there are dangerous consequences when you give people false hope. Yeah, and I, I think that is one takeaway from today's events that's being shared across the political spectrum. And I think, Aaron, there was a sense among among Republicans that you, you could do this and and be okay and maybe manage uh, the issue and, and 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 not really engage with the president and allow him to 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 peddle these lies and falsehoods and conspiracy theories and that 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 has just been ripped away and and I'm still I'm left by you know really searing images in my brain about what we saw today and those elements are not going away that's going to be here when Donald Trump is gone and he will be gone in two weeks regardless of anything else that happens. Rick Klein, our our political director, Steve Roberts, our uh, political analyst, with us too. Uh, you know. It's striking to hear a, a sitting member of Congress compare what happened in the Capitol to what happened when he was in Iraq. And particularly a conservative Republican. Uh, Congressman Gallagher has been a significantly courageous voice in trying to uh, say, look, let's remember what a conservative is. And this is one of the key points that Rick, of course, has talked about uh, over over many weeks and and months and 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 I agree that um, in many ways what you're seeing the split in the Republican Party it's not liberals versus conservatives it's conservatives versus radicals it's conservatives like Congressman Gallagher who say you know that uh, what the president is, has done what the president is doing is the very uh, opposite of conservatives. It's destabilizing, it's challenging norms, it's upheaval, whereas the essence of true conservatism in this view is that you protect institutions, you remember the past, you operate by precedent, you uh, make progress in small steps. And that's one of the interesting uh, divisions that you're seeing, that uh, congressmen like uh, Congressman Gallagher haven't turned into Democrats. What they've done is turned into true conservatives and, um, and say, finally, uh, that uh, the man in the White House is not really a true conservative. And that tension has been there all along. As Rick said, it's been simmering under the surface. A lot of people uh, thought they could manage the president. Now they realize they can't, Aaron.
ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts, along with our political director Rick Klein. ABC's Inez Delacotera joins us live from the Capitol. Uh, Inez, just set the scene for us. Where are you? What do you see? Aaron, so the, the scene has calmed down for now. It's, it's certainly different than what we saw earlier in the day when protesters were lining the steps of the Capitol, and the scene was incredibly tense. We saw you know, dozens, hundreds of protesters dressed in black, wearing bulletproof vests, wearing gas masks, very few uh, COVID masks, though, I, I will point out, um, and, and carrying, you know, Trump flags, American flags, chanting USA, USA. Uh, one particularly tense moment stood out to me when a group of uh, men all dressed in black, about a dozen of them, marched by members of the media who were gathered in one area and started yelling out to the media, where can we sign up to shoot people? And, of course, the concern uh, being that a woman had just been shot inside the Capitol and there were clearly uh, there was a concern that there could be armed protesters around. So that was shocking. I think another shocking moment to me was was just getting to the Capitol uh, in the early afternoon and seeing a man in a stretcher being uh, loaded into an ambulance. The man appeared to be a police officer. So uh, a very tense day, but things have calmed down for now. There's a much larger police presence right right now than there was earlier in the day, and protesters have cleared the the steps of the Capitol. ABC Sinez de la Quetera there at the scene. The Washington, D.C. National Guard has been activated. There is a curfew that has been in effect for the better part of, uh, well, nearly two hours now, and that may have helped uh, clear some of the the scene and ease some of the tension. Uh, And there is movement out of the White House. I want to turn to our White House correspondent, Karen Travers. We have not heard any more from the president, uh, but uh, some staff members are, are heading out directly from the president because he will not be able to tweet tonight. Twitter has suspended his account uh, after they've flagged and removed several of his tweets uh, because of the situation that took place at the Capitol today and worried about this encouraging more violence. But we just learned in the last few minutes that the chief of staff to the first lady, Stephanie Grisham, remember she was the former White House press secretary, but perhaps not a household name to people because she did not hold a single briefing in her time as the press secretary. But But Stephanie Grisham uh, tonight has resigned from her senior position in the Trump administration. And we are told that while she had been thinking about doing this for some time, she is doing it in response to what happened today in Washington. Now, notably, Aaron, the statement that Stephanie Grisham released to ABC does not mention the protest, does not mention the president or anything uh, about the ugliness that we saw today here in the nation's capital. She says it was an honor to serve the country in the White House. She was proud to be part of Mrs. Trump's mission to help children everywhere, and she's proud of the many accomplishments of this administration. We also should note it's January 6th. The inauguration for Joe Biden is in 14 days. So a lot of people are leaving the Trump administration. Uh, They've been doing it for the last several weeks. So let's take this with a bit of a grain of salt that Stephanie Grisham is saying she's leaving because of what happened and the protests and the violence up on Capitol Hill when she was probably going to be leaving at some point, if not before January 20th, everybody's leaving on January 20th anyway. And Karen, you make that point in in two weeks, there's going to be an inauguration at a space that was being set up uh, and, and then was overrun by protesters. How in the world do they stage that uh, in, in just two weeks time? 
Yeah, and you know, the the inauguration, the part that was going to take place at the Capitol, the swearing in of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, uh, remarks in an inaugural address by Joe Biden, this was going to have a smaller footprint. That's what Biden transition officials and inauguration officials have been telling us for a couple of weeks. Uh, we learned today Day. I think it was only today that uh, George W. Bush, the former president, would be coming to town. He would be the first president who said, confirming that he would be there for the peaceful transfer of power, which he says was, you know, such a strong tradition of this country. I don't know what this is going to look like now in two weeks. You know, the scaffolding was up for the big area where the dignitaries would be for the inauguration, for the actual ceremony. Uh, the bleachers, uh, really, you know, put outside there for people to sit in near the Capitol. Uh, those are draped with Trump flags tonight after they were overtaken by these mob of demonstrators earlier today. It amounted to an attempted coup that they hoped would overturn the election that President Trump lost. That's Karen Travers, our White House correspondent. Let's return to the Capitol, ABC's Inez de la Quatera. All's quiet now as Washington comes under control, Inez. That's right, Aaron. And, and it seems to be that the mayor's uh, 6 p.m. curfew uh, worked and got protesters to clear out uh, from Capitol Hill. But a really terrifying scene, a heartbreaking scene on Capitol Hill that unfolded today. I think for a lot of us uh, Hill reporters, it was just um, just shocking to see how we got to this point. I mean, if, if you know Capitol Hill police, they are typically uh, they will yell at reporters who sit on the floor or who stand in the wrong uh, areas when law makers are, are passing through or, or heading to, to lunch. There are certain areas where you can stand in, in the Capitol building. Um, so to see it get to this point, I think, was shocking, especially when we knew that protesters were going to be headed to the, the Capitol. Um, and it was it was quite a sight to see today. I mean, these these, you know, hundreds of protesters lining the steps of the Capitol, wearing uh, black for the most part, wearing bulletproof vests and gas masks. It was um, really, really alarming. Uh, alarming indeed, so much so that former defense officials who served under President Trump are starting to weigh in on today's events, including uh, former Defense Secretary Mattis, who said today's violent assault on our Capitol and effort to subjugate American democracy by mob rule was fomented by President Trump. ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts uh, on an incredible day. It was a day when the most sacred shrine in the American civic religion the U.S. Capitol was desecrated by a mob. It was also true, however, Aaron, that the long-range story of this year is not the desecration of democracy. It's the triumph of democracy. Think about how many figures, federal judges, Republican lawmakers, the Republican Secretary of State of, of Georgia, stood up to President Trump's attempt to subvert uh, and undermine democracy. So this was a sad day in a way, in a very profound way, the desecration of the Capitol. But it's not a permanent stain because the long range, the lasting lesson of this year was not the fragility of democracy, Aaron. It's the strength of democracy. It's not the mob who tried to desecrate the Capitol it's the officials who stood up to the mob and have stood up to the president and have stood up the attempts to subvert this election since Election Day. That's the lasting lesson of this year, Aaron. And as if picking up on the theme from ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts, the House and Senate are set to reconvene moments from now to finish the work of certifying the election results after halting proceedings 
because of what happened in the Capitol. I'm Aaron Katursky. You're listening to live coverage from ABC News. When breaking news changes the world, ABC News, accurate, credible, and unmatched. On Twitter, at ABC News Radio. People who disappear without a trace. Where is she? The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers. There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him. For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen.